You're listening to Citizens Church's podcast, a resource from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, So I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. As I thought about our church uh, over Christmas break, and we decided to do Christmas Eve a week early. We took the next week off. So there was, there was kind of a good gap there. And we had the opportunity to join a small family gathering at the beach and spend some time um, just thinking about life, uh, the world, our church, and spending some time looking out in the ocean. I just really asked God, like, God, I'm so thankful for all you've done that you will do. But if you could change anything at all about our church, and I know you can in a moment, but if there's anything we need to do different, if there's anything we need to change or double down on or add, Lord, lay it on me. You know, I'll sit here as long as, as long as, you know, until I'm too cold to sit here anymore. But Lord, please tell me, please lay on me. What, what, what do you think, Lord? I don't want to lead us to a place you don't want us to go. I don't want to be a fool. And the longer I sat and thought with the Lord, I was drawn back to our mission statement, cultivating a diverse community of disciples who belong to Jesus and seek the good of Birmingham. And what I felt drawn to the most was belonging to Jesus And felt the impression that if we don't belong to Jesus first, foremost, always, and most intensely, then the rest just won't matter. That we are people who belong to Jesus. And it doesn't mean we don't care about the other parts of the mission. We're going to keep full committed to all of our values. Keep full committed to all of our mission. But when I think about the next year, 
and the focus of where we will teach and preach, the focus of where worship will lead us, the focus of where our groups will emphasize the focus of our Lent devotional, the focus of what we're doing is going to push in deep to what belonging to Jesus means. There's four ways for you to really connect with God. One is through his word. It's God's word. He spoke it to consume it is to connect with God. And when I thought about our church, we do a pretty good job there. Liturgy, preaching, studies, people tend to have a growing love for the word of God. And that encourages me deeply. Second way to connect with God is community. And community is this rich thing where you get to experience the spirit of God and other people encouraging you and building friendship. And for a new church where everyone's new and still growing in that way, we're off to a great start. I know we all want friends like community at Netflix-like convenience, but the world doesn't work like that at all. And we all have to realize we're in different life stages. There's singles, singles are married without kids, married with kids. Acknowledge your responsibilities, your limitations. But overall, that's gone pretty swimmingly too, which led me to the last two ways to connect with God. And that's worship, worshiping directly, literally praising God for who he is. And that extends to all of life, but centers on Sunday as a preparation for every day. And prayer. That this year, I want us to focus, to double down, triple down on belonging to Jesus through worship and prayer. Because I want our heart. If we think of our heart like an oven, does anyone do a lot of baking? I'm a guy who eats a lot of baking. Elena does a lot of baking. You're so beautiful. Um, She made blueberry muffins today. It was great. But in baking... At about 350 degrees or so, um, you can bake a cake. At about 400, you can do a chicken dish. You can do rolls or baguettes at about 450. But if you really want to like really cook a pizza well with a bunch of toppings on it and cheese and dough that's probably cool to cold and cheese and sauce and all the things, your oven needs to get to about 500, even 600 degrees. And I want to give you all that as a visual to think. We have a huge mission, a huge ambitious mission. And mission statements are awesome. And some of that mission statement's already a reality. It's amazing what God is doing. Some of it's a reality. Some of it's in progress. Some of it's aspirational. That's what a good mission is. It's not so distant, it's a dream. It's not so achievable that you don't need God to do it. And we want it to be specific enough, not like a corporate slogan that could mean anything, but something specific about making disciples and what that looks like here. And I want us to grow together. And I feel like the Lord wants us to grow, to belong to Jesus, to take a temperature of what the oven of our heart, our love and passion for God is, and say, what would it look like to get to 600 degrees in January 2022? What would it look like to where I happily want to change my schedule, my life, to seek the good of Birmingham, not just in a good deed, but in a whole good lifestyle? How hot would the oven need to get to say, I am down to cultivating a diverse community of disciples, the books I might need to read, the people I might need to talk to, the jobs I might need to switch to be in a more generationally, racially, economically diverse workplace to meet people? who are both like me and maybe not like me in some ways. But I know if the oven's not hot enough, 
simply the other things will die out. If the oven's not hot enough, the mission will be too great, too big, and we'll either try to do it all and grow tired or get paralyzed in fear and do none. And I'm encouraged where we are. I'm encouraged what's in progress. But I think our aspirations are big enough that if the oven doesn't get really hot, we're going to have a really hard time in the future. More than anything on there, I hope Citizens is known as a place that belongs to Jesus. Can you think of a greater reputation than people say, those folks know Jesus, feel Jesus' love, and love him back? We want to be a church that's known for passionately loving the Lord our God, and a thousand good things will flow from that. But without that, all of our good deeds, our good intentions will just remain good deeds and good intentions. Not God glorifying hot, passionate love for God. And I think we can get there because I think these are the things that delight our God. That he desires worship of all nations, of all cities, of all people, and in this place. And so as we go forward, week by week, month by month, we're going to continue to focus on passionate worship and purposeful prayer. If you look in your seats, we did it a little different today. We put the liturgy in your seat, but we also put another sheet. Grab the other sheet. We'll reorganize them at the end if you don't get a swing at it. If you're like, well, where's my sheet? Well, we'll put it in the mailing too. But on the back of this is just our mission, our values, the things that we're not changing one iota. But on the front of this, we need to focus to achieve. Clay, how's it go building houses? Do you build all the stuff at once? Do you care about all the stuff at once? But do you have to do certain things in a certain order? Thank you, Clay. Clay said it. It's gospel. Next. It says, who belong to Jesus? And here's my goal for us. You might think this is hokey. This is the least hokey thing we'll ever do. To be honest, I want us to put three things that why do you, not why should you, but why do you, Elena, Kelsey, Sarah, Joel, Daniel, why do you passionately worship Jesus. And if that gets really hard, it maybe go take that run. Maybe take five runs and realize, why do I worship him? Do I have real reasons? And they can be big, like his character, his goodness, because he's true, because he saved you. But I want them to be you, to be the things that you believe in, that you're willing to give your life for. Often in America, we'll almost never be asked to give our life for the gospel. Maybe that changes in 50 or 100 years. But a lot of the world has to think, if I worship Jesus, means social ostracization, means losing my business, means my children not getting to go to school, it means me being beaten or maybe dead. Why do you worship Jesus when you could worship anything else? And to write those three down. And to let that fire you up for Sunday. Now, it's not all about Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, give glory to God in all things. And we can worship God, giving glory as we work, as we talk, as we do all. We take care of our kids, of everything we do. As we sleep, we can worship God by our habits. 
But worshiping him directly on Sunday is declaring that this is my God, and it should prepare our heart to then worship him all the days. You can think of Sunday as both a starting block for the energy and fuel. Hopefully, it's a feast of God's word and liturgy and preaching and singing. But also think as a finish line that you look over your week and say, here's all I want to give you glory for. Here's all I want to worship you for in my ups and downs. But I want us to be a people who if someone asks them, why do you worship Jesus? You would actually have an answer beyond like, oh, he's great. But to say, no, I worship Jesus because I know he listens to my prayers. I worship Jesus because he's changing me from the inside out. I worship Jesus because I don't live out uh, being a perfect husband. In fact, there's a ton of ways I need to grow. But instead of Jesus beating me down, he actually gives me strength and hope and forgiveness to be a better husband and a better dad. That would be the gospel. Let's switch over to the next one, purposeful prayer. I want us to write three things. I'm not asking you to do it now. Three things that you're going to trust Jesus over the next year. He may say no to them but that you would look on your fridge or your office or pin it wherever you have in your house or you'd see it daily to just say, I'm going to go ahead and risk, given all the passages we've been studying, it says, ask anything in my name and my father will do it for you. I'm just going to say, I'm going to trust Jesus for these three specific things so that I may give him glory and move it over to the worship column that one day I can say, I prayed these things and the Lord answered me and here's how. Maybe it was yes, maybe it was no, maybe it was wait. I don't know. But I don't want us to have a hypothetical God. I want us to have a real one. And a real God deserves real worship. A real God wants to listen to us in prayer. This passage talks about him being a good father. A father who listens. So, Every week, we'll have someone up here sharing why they worship Jesus. That's how we'll start our worship services from now on. Also, every worship service will have at least one of our liturgical movements have extended prayer time in it. We'll vary how we do it in different ways and keep it fresh. But as a people in the big moments, in the studies, in discipleship, all the way to our personal and our households, I just want to invite you to belong to Jesus. Talk with your roommate, talk with your husband or wife, talk with who you came with and just say like, yeah, man, I, I, I couldn't cook muffins right now in this heart. I couldn't, I couldn't fry an egg and eggs like 150. It can fry an egg. So maybe you're like frying eggs, but got no shot at pizza. That's okay. We're going to turn the oven up. But the oven means we have to meet the living God. We can't play church. We can't play religion. We can't play good deeds. We have to go meet the God who says in Hebrews, he's a consuming fire. And that means actually trusting him for real things. So I invite you. I'll put a digital one in the, in the email mailer. Take a physical one and take your time to put it up. And let's worship and trust him. We spent a long time in a lot of places. So I'm going to point us um, right towards this picture. I'm going to read verse uh, one to you because I want you to understand from this passage as we won't be able to hit on all of it, but it's such a beautiful passage 
Then verse one, it says this, it says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now take a look at this picture. Anyone ever been to a vineyard? Get to hang out with a vine dresser? I know this is a very bougie question. But uh, fortunately, I was at a pastor thing where they had like a vine dresser show up. I was like, okay, I can finally talk about this passage. But basically, these vines, says Jesus is the true vine and we're the branches. We got no shot of bearing any fruit without a vine dresser. Why? Because if a vine is just left on the ground, it won't bear fruit. It won't get enough sun. It won't have enough support for the branches. It'll bear tiny, hard little grapes that are worthless, and the vine has no meaning. It needs a vine dresser to pull it up on something called a trellis, let it hang down, support the weight of huge bunches of grapes. It needs to be pruned and trimmed, not to hurt it, but to let it bear more and more fruit as the seasons of its life go. So here's the thing. I think God is pruning our church. Why? Because I think we're bearing a lot of fruit, but we could bear so much more. And I think he's doing it in every single person's life, including mine. There are things we probably need to repent of, think about, and change. Things that God wants to prune to bear more fruit, not because he hates us, but as a sign that he loves us. If you are bearing fruit, then God's sign is he is pruning you. If you never feel God pruning you, that's a sign you do not know God. This passage, the hope is the pruning that there are things God wants to change in our life to love him more fully and bear even more fruit. Did you know some vines can bear like 40 pounds of grapes? It's wild. And that's God's hope for you is not that we have a little bit of fruit in our life, but he wants fruit that outweighs you, that's bigger than you, that only he can bring about. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Citizens cannot bear the fruit that God wants to bring by itself. We must belong to Jesus. The word abide could just be replaced with belong. Abide just means remain, to dwell with, to live in a house with, to continue on with. Those are all good words for belong. Unless it abides in the vine, neither you, unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. The invitation in abiding is to remain connected to the great power of Jesus, but also to actively pray and worship this Jesus. Our life as branches is a life all about the vine. We could say abide means all about the vine. Belong means all about the vine. He doesn't just belong to us. He's not joining us in one way he is, but we're really joining God in his story and what he is doing upon the earth. I want to give us a clear picture of what that looks like. Look at verse 12 with me. Jesus gives us five things of what it looks like to bear fruit. Because sometimes we hear that word and we're like, what's that mean? Does that just mean I'm like, I'm, I'm nicer at the office? Or like, does that mean like I, I, I tip better? 
Well, those are two good things. I'm pro both those. But here are five things that Jesus says that it looks like. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus' plan for your life is to love other people, all people, not some people, not people you like, not people who agree with you politically, not people who, who are in the family. That's like the Alabama thing. If I like, your family, I'll do anything for you. Everyone else, I'll be nice to you, <laughs> in front of you. We're called to love one another. If you are loving a person, you are bearing fruit. Verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Your love should require a sacrifice of self. And it starts with the maturity of just saying, life is not about me. I will die one day. I am not a special snowflake. When you admit those things, that you are unique, but not special, that you are limited, that there really is a day you will die, and you have a limited amount of time and resources to use in this world, you then come to this philosophical place where you have a choice. Will I spend it all on me? Or will I spend it on other people? Will we be asked to die for someone? Likely not. Will we be asked to sacrifice for people? All the time. All the time. It's the currency to create meaning in your life. It comes so easy in some scenarios and so hard in others. It's so beautiful to see when you start to sacrifice for your children or sacrifice for a marriage or sacrifice for a friend or sacrifice for someone who's hurting or in need. When you start to say, I have these limited amount of resources, I'm going to start choosing to say, I, I don't get all $10,000 of my life. I'm going to have five and I'm going to give five. I'm going to give six and keep four. I'm going to give seven and keep three. And you actually find the more you give away, the more fruit you bear and the more life you have in this grand scheme of your life. Verse 14 and 15, Jesus teaches us, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Bearing fruit looks like joining God's mission as friends and partners instead of servants and employees. If God's mission feels like a great burden to you, then perhaps you have not met the Jesus who calls you friend. Jesus calls us friends that we get to join his mission to literally love our literal neighbors and all around us. If that sounds troublesome or burdensome, I ask you to think you are not an employee of Jesus. He doesn't even call you servant. Sure, he's the king and we're all servants in some sense. But this is Jesus saying we're friends and this is either our mission together or perhaps you don't understand who I am. God's mission is an invitation to the greatest story ever told. That the gospel must be heard at all nations. Disciples must be made out of our joy, not a burden. Verse 16, Jesus continues teaching, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit may abide. So whatever you ask in the father's name, he may give it to you. Bearing fruit in your life looks like praying with purpose. It looks like this sheet it looks like actually asking your father for things. And Jesus is confident he will answer it because if you're following Jesus, you're friends with Jesus, you're loving one another, you're sacrificing one another, you're joining God's mission of friends, your heart is going to be aligned with the things of God and you're going to ask for the things that God is bringing up in your heart to do. 
Jesus' great confidence says, go ahead and ask him. He's a good dad. Bearing fruit in your life says praying specific prayers to God so that he can actually answer you. Picking up the phone. Some of us aren't great at calling mom and dad. I only call like once a month. I need to be better at it. But I need to call my heavenly father all the time. Let's pick up the phone. In verse 17, the last way it looks like bearing fruit in this passage, these things I command you, that you will love one another. Following Jesus means he calls the shots. He's allowed to command you. Christian culture or Southern Christian culture often looks like I lead my life and Jesus follows me around as my helper. When I'm in trouble, I look to Jesus a little. If I need a boost at work, I look to Jesus. If I need to feel better about a sin, I kind of look back at Jesus. I blare the worship music to make me feel better, not to give him praise. That would be the cultural Jesus, except it doesn't work like that at all. Jesus is not our butler, but our leader. He's a good leader. But he just says, I can command you. That loving one another is not a suggestion. It's the marching orders for being a part of Jesus' family. And so bearing fruit in your life starts to say, whatever his word says, even if I don't understand, that, that's really not the most important thing. It's who's commanding me is the important thing. It's the God who loves me, who died for me, and made me friends. You've been listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music, and to Austin Oglesby, who mastered these tracks for us. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.